the Truth in My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men. Hi, I'm Dana Torts, and welcome to another episode of the Truth in My Days radio program. Today, I'm here with John Torts and Jason Chan as they discuss the important topic of creation and evolution. We are continuing from the previous episode. We hope you enjoy. Nobody took down Piltdown, man. There are a few scientists, certainly, who challenged at the beginning, but uh, the consensus across the board, the science was that, yes, this is our human ancestor. Why do you think that is? Yeah, people are trying to sell a certain narrative. People might be afraid to go against the grain. Yeah, I, as I think it goes back to what we saw from our good professor, Edward Larson, they were intent on pushing out God. The theory of evolution was necessary to explain origins, and so the theory had to be protected at all costs. Now, again, if we look at the putative human ancestors, they tended to roll them together. Since we're missing the bones of Peking men, we were told, well, it was probably an example of Homo erectus and so on. And they did that for quite a while. If they found a bone, they would try to fit it into one of these already known groups or taxons or types. Now, it's a different approach. Every time you find a new bone, you invent a new hominid species fit to belong to. Remember, we looked at a picture of the world's tallest man, Sultan Kosar, and the, the time the shortest uh, fellow... I can imagine if you found uh, bone fragments from these two gentlemen, how many different species do you think they would spin out of it? Uh, an awful Tons, lot. Like, this range is huge. Yes. Very tiny skull, very big skull. So to, to show how it operates today and how it's been operating for a while, there's an interesting article that I clipped from Newsweek. I know it's the same kind of article in other issues. Uh, I believe this was Newsweek, uh, 1995. And it's entitled, One Less Missing Link? Bones from the Ethiopian Desert prove that human ancestors walked the Earth 4.4 million years ago. Now, one of the things you'll notice is that they keep pushing these dates back. How old was our earliest ancestor? I remember a book we used in high school. It was called Man, the First Three Million Years. And it was a new edition that had just replaced the earlier one that was called Man, the First Two Million Years. Mm, I see. Which some years earlier replaced the first edition, which was Man, His First Million Years. So supposedly the dawn of our ancestors keeps getting pushed back further and further. Well, why? Because... If you find a bone and it's, hey, just another Australopithecus bone, Australopithecus africanus or something, or another Homo erectus bone, you don't get a big write-up in Newsweek or Time's got to be something new. And to be new, it's got to be the oldest one we found so far. Now, look at the interesting text, how they describe this find. The paleontologist was, this is from the article, was walking across the pebble-covered desert of north-central Ethiopia under the searing midday sun, peering carefully around him for ancient bones. Then he saw it, the telltale gleam of a fossil tooth partially exposed on the rocky ground 
I knew immediately that it was a hominid tooth, says the paleontologist, and one of the oldest ever found. Now think about that for a moment and tell me what you spot that's strange. Yeah, it's kind of weird how he can think it's one of the oldest ever found if it was just right there in front of him, right? If it's supposed to be millions of years old, shouldn't it be buried under some, something? Well, they'll say there's erosion, windstorms, and so on. Mm-hmm. Now, the two things that I would jump at here right away. Uh-huh. This chap is walking along on the pebble-covered desert... And he sees a gleam on the ground. And he says, I knew immediately that it was a hominid tooth. Now think about it. He hasn't picked it up. He hasn't studied it. He hasn't even bent down to look at it. He sees a gleam on the ground and immediately knows it's a hominid tooth. How can you possibly immediately know that it's a hominid tooth? And if that weren't bad enough... I knew immediately that it was a hominid tooth and one of the oldest ever found. How can you possibly know the age of that mm-hmm. when you haven't even looked at it up close? And say, this is, is not casting a good light on this field at all. You cannot know that. But again, if it's not one of the oldest, if it's not hominid, you're not getting into Time Magazine and Newsweek. Well, this creature was christened the Australopithecus ramatus because we always need a new species. Problem is, it was studied for about nine months, looking at it every possible sort of measurement and dimension and so on. And within nine months, it was concluded that this thing was absolutely indistinguishable from a chimpanzee tooth. Let me ask you a question and get one guess on this. Do you think that Time Magazine, Newsweek, and so on ran big retractions on these articles? Probably not. Absolutely not. Mm. So here's how, how the game works. You put out the claims. People read the claims. People accept the claims. Then when it turns out the claims are false, you just don't publicize that. And people are left believing that there's all this evidence mm. for evolution. The damage has been done. Exactly. And, you know, they got away with it for 40 years with the Piltdown Man. Probably not as long as this one. Uh, Australopithecus ramidus was just very quietly retired. And uh, he stayed retired for about 16 years. And then we're up to the sesquicentennial of the publication of Darwin's book. And was 200th birthday, something like that. And, and lo and behold... He returns, except now he's not Australopithecus ramidus, he's, uh, he's now Ardipithecus ramidus. So we'll run the same scam, same tooth, different name. And then we got a whole bunch of them. Once we have Ardipithecus, well, we can have different species of Ardipithecus. For example, the Ardipithecus cadaba. That's another one of our ancient ancestors, which got a big write-up in the media. They had pictures of Australopithecus cadaba. If you look at the picture of Australopithecus cataba, what do you see there? Fur. It looks like a monkey. Uh, Yes, but not completely like a monkey, Mm -hmm. is it? For example, it's bipedal. We've got this lovely artist's picture of of this hominid 
looks sort of like a chimpanzee, not quite as stocky, uh, standing up but not quite straight. It's a bit of a hunchback there. His face is clearly an ape with the uh, the prognathous jaw sticking out, the huge eye ridges and the, the big flat nose in the middle. Clearly, this is, this is somewhere between ape and man. Mm-hmm. And when the public looks at it, they see this, well, this is clearly, clearly a hominid. It has to be. It has to be one of our ancestors. And once again, this is planted in the minds of the public. When you look at that head, you cannot deny that this is an ape man, can you? Mm-hmm. What people don't ask is, let's see the actual bones. And here, in this picture, we have all of the Australopithecus uh, cataba bones that have ever been found. Yep. Assuming, in fact, they all actually belong to the same creature. What do you notice is not there? Yeah, I mean, all I see are just a few shards mm-hmm. of bone. Maybe a femur, part of a femur. Yeah, what do I you don't see any skull, though. Exactly. No cranial bones. Hmm. Not one. Okay. Without the cranial bone, of course, you have no idea of what the head looked like. Yeah. And yet, look again at the picture. What is the part that convinces people this is an ape man? Yeah, it's the head. Exactly. So, this is all artists' imagination, but it's not presented to the public that way. We are right. told... Uh, we have found bones of Artipithecus cataba, and Artipithecus cataba is our uh, is our distant ancestors. Mm. And yet, as I said, only some teeth and jaw and postcranial fragments have been found. You can't know anything about the heads, and it's even questionable whether you should be putting all of those uh, those eleven little fragments together. Right. Because they were found in five different locations, supposedly oh. belonging to five different individuals. Okay. And then all of the characteristics, almost all of them, are, are simply shared with, with modern apes. Hmm. We're told that Cataba and Ravagus were bipedal. They walked on two legs. And the evidence for that is supposed to be the orientation of a toe bone joint. And yet it's exactly the same sort of toe bone joint that we have on apes today, like chimpanzees, and they're not bipedal. There's a thin enamel, uh, the structure of the upper arm, thin enamel on the teeth. Uh, both, of, both of these indicate the animal is actually a knuckle walker like chimpanzees. So you're seeing an awful lot of dishonesty. Mm-hmm. For all that, that's their story. They're sticking to it. And yet... What happens? What do you think should happen when stunning new evidence comes forth that would overthrow this consensus view of the fossils? What do you think? Because imagine, because evolutionists are like this. They will say, oh, we're following the science. We're doing careful science. They tout what they call the self-correcting methodology of science. Mm -hmm. If we ever found, say, a uh, rabbit in the Precambrian rock, we would throw out our theory because it's obviously would be wrong then. So we just go where the evidence takes us. Mm-hmm. Now, it sounds nice in theory. It's right. not the case in fact, because in reality, we have had examples of stunning new evidence being found that should overthrow these claims. Mm-hmm. 
Let's see how scientists handle these. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. But please join us for the next part tomorrow. Same time and same place. If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. We would love to hear from you. Please feel free to share any questions or comments you may have. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, MeWe, and YouTube. Simply search Truth In My Days as one word. Again, Truth In My Days as one word, no spaces in between. And you can connect with us. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is truthinmydays.com. Thank you. Thank you.